Welcome to the Books for Athletes podcast with your host, the publisher, Mr. Kelly Cole. Mr. Cole, a former athlete and best-selling author himself, has set out to take you behind the scenes of some of sports' forgotten heroes. He sits down with former professional athletes, college athletes, and sports coaches as they share stories of triumph, defeat, dedication, and perseverance. Here's Kelly. Everybody, welcome to another episode of the Books for Athletes podcast. Today, I got a special guest in the building, my main man, Micah Taylor. What's up, brother? Good morning. Good morning, Mr. Taylor May. First, before we get started, man, tell the people just a little bit about who you are and what you do, and then we're gonna dive into this amazing book, man. It's so powerful, man. So, tell people a little bit about who you are. Yes, sir. Uh, born and raised in Johnson City, Tennessee. Um, graduate of Science Hill High School, graduate of East Tennessee State University. Uh, worked in a, a barbershop in Kingsport, Tennessee for almost eight years, getting trained and cultivated in the industry and all the ins and outs, the highs and lows of what it takes to be a shop owner. Opened my first location in Johnson City beside of ETSU in 2017, uh, second location in 2019. Uh, also have my master's instructor's license in, in the process of potentially doing a barber school. Um, just want to be an asset to the community overall, man. That's that's my goal. Dope, man. All right. So take us back. So take us back. Um, what was it like growing up? You grew up, you said you grew up in Johnson City, Tennessee. What was your childhood like? Tell us a little bit about your childhood. At the time, I thought it was really, really rough. And now that I'm grown and I have a child to look back, it really wasn't that bad, man. Um, we didn't have much. What I've learned from my life experiences is as long as you have parents that love you, you got all the tools you need. Um, again, my parents weren't wealthy by any means, but we never missed a meal. Um, I had everything I needed, some of what I wanted. Um, but my wants, my parents put pressure on me to make that happen. So at an early age, I was trained and taught, you know, to be kind of self-equipped, self-motivated, and, and a go-getter at an early, early, even pre-teen. Um, and I thought at that time I was kind of being punished. Like I'm not even of age to be working or setting plans i should be wanting to go to the playground and play nintendo and you know be a kid but looking back that's probably some of the some of the best experiences and best times of my life man so what led you to actually picking up the clippers like where did that come from my pops um yeah, i can put it in the book chapter number one clippers in my hand um i've never when i say never seen the inside of our local community barbershop. It was called The Palace, operated by uh, James and Ducci, Mr. Clarence Hall. Um, I couldn't tell you what that place looked or smelled like. All my friends went. I can remember being at the Boys and Girls Club, seeing their fresh cuts, uh, heads smelling like fresh oil sheen. Um, and I kind of always coveted that. I, I wanted that experience, but we had limited income. So my pop, from the time I was born till, until he put the clippers in my hand, he always cut my hair in the kitchen. And um, he, he was a craftsman. He, he could handle them pretty well. But when I wanted certain designs or certain styles, he just wasn't capable of producing that product. So I, I asked him, like, you know, show, show me what you do and let me do it. So he put them in my hand. He bought me a, a, my own personal set, showed me how to oil them, a slight maintenance. And from there, it kind of just, it turned into more or less of a hobby. I didn't know what I was doing, but I got to where I'm 13 years old. And I can cut my hair semi-decent. By 14, it looked halfway decent. By 15, people was asking me, like, hey, 
you're going to the palace? I'm going to the bathroom. <laughs> you know, I cut my own hair. By 16, it's like, well, you cut my hair? So by 16 years old, I had a full clientele. Playing football at Science Hill, cutting my teammates, uh, even cut a few coaches. And so just, I mean, again, I didn't really see the, the bigger picture. I'm young. Uh, I just saw it as a way to make some extra money to buy some clothes from Rugged Warehouse or Ross or TJ Maxx. You know, that was my main focus. But, I mean, overall, it's, it's been a great journey, man. That's dope. That's dope. So take us back. What was you charging back then when you first started? Oh, man. I'm embarrassed, brother. I'm, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> I, I was only charging $5. I was even having a conversation. Uh, you and I were at the Bristol School of Hair and Design, uh, which is now Crown Cuts Academy, Bristol. This past uh, Wednesday, and um, I was kind of enlightening them to the fact of the concept of Uber. Uh, this is way before Uber existed. But brother, I didn't know I was Uber cuts before Uber ever even came into the picture. And I didn't know I could charge for convenience as well as fuel. I would come to you wherever you were at. If I'm leaving Johnson City and going to Piney Flat, I would just charge $5. Wow. Literally, I would come to you. I would cut whoever was in your house and I would clean up the mess and I'll do all that for five dollars. Wow. Yeah. I told you I was cutting man back in the day. Same thing. I was only charging five bucks, bro. <laughs> but I did one day a week and I had everybody come to me. So it was from sun up to sundown, like nonstop. And I picked it up just the same way as you, like, man, just to make some extra money growing up in the hood, man, and trying to make it, just trying to hustle. So you talked about um, the first time I think I heard you speak in Boston City at Crown Cuts, like then it turned like you took it serious when you were transitioning out of the streets. You want to share a little bit about that? Absolutely. Um, so in high school, um, my aunt and my uncle took me in in the sixth grade. So I lived with them all through high school until I graduated. And um, I loved them to death. Uh, rest in peace, Brenda. Um, great people, but they kind of gave us a little bit a little bit more leeway than I was used to in my father's house. So I got into some knucklehead stuff. Um, got into the streets, um, doubled and dabbled in selling drugs. I don't recommend anybody do that at all. Um, there's no retirement in that. There's only a setup for you to be profited off of the, the state with incarceration. Uh, and I thank God I never have been incarcerated. That's only by the grace of God. But uh, I realized quickly that not only is this a passion now and I'm getting good at it, I started cutting so many heads, and, and from the time I was 13 to 18, I raised my prices from $5 to $10, which is not a lot, but I doubled my, my income, mm -hmm. and I have a pretty steady clientele now, and I'm making good money, um, at least back then. So, I mean, it, it kind of it showed me the potential, and, and I had certain people, and I mentioned the names in the book, um, that, that kept my chair spinning constantly, um, and that would promote for me, advertise for me, so it kind of just, it, it ignited an entrepreneur flame in me that I didn't know was there. Um, I enjoyed the, it's going to sound kind of corny, the, the the humming of the Clippers. It was real soothing. It was real calming, mm -hmm. real peaceful. Uh, my life was real chaotic. So when I was in my element and I was in the process of doing the haircut, I, I just felt like I was in my my, my better version of myself. I'm tapping into community. And what I learned is every time I popped that cape and took it off someone's neck, the feeling it gave them, the smile on their face, their energy completely transitioned. Um, I mean, I'm giving these people life. I'm not just giving you a clean cut. It's not just a grooming session. I'm taking someone who may came in my chair slumped down, feeling discouraged, feeling defeated. I popped that cape, man. I mean, chest poked out, shoulders arched, smile just from chin, from ear to ear. It's just 
and I started to see that, and I, I craved that more than the money. Like I'm, I'm literally someone who's adding value to people's lives out here in these streets, going from house to house, and not just taking the hair off the neck and around your ear. It's positive conversation, positive affirmation. Um, people would would vent to me in the in the process of a haircut session, and man, the transparency, Kelly, was just completely out of this world, bro. And I started to realize real quick, you know, these folks don't really have a chance to talk about their their internal issues with with the the day-to-day co-workers that are family or friends, but they'll tell me their barber any, I, was, I, I mean any and everything. And through the course of the time in my chair, it's like they just felt some sense of a relief and like a weight lifted off the shoulders, man. So yeah. it just, it's like the the seed was planted and it just, got, it just got nurtured and it grew and grew and grew. And now we have a tree and now we have a tree that's producing fruit and God gets all the credit and the glory for that, man. That's it, man. So when did your um so how did you get into start? Like you said, you mentioned you worked in um in a barbershop in Kingsport for eight years. How did you transition from doing it solo, you know, doing it wherever you could, driving the people to actually being in the shop? What was that transition like? Good question, man. So again, the shop that I mentioned here in town, um I actually went to them for a job. I, I had been cutting so long, and my grandmother actually put it in my head, uh, rest in peace, Mary Louise Goodman, she's in the book as well. She put it into my head, it's like, I know you're in the streets, you're cutting hair, but you need to be a little bit more professional, Michael. So when you go to folk for interviews, make sure you, you're dressed right, make sure you have your portfolio, make sure you have business cards. So I did that. I went to the palace, the place that I, I'd already always admired as a kid, and I asked them for a chair. And they didn't decline, they just said, let's talk it over as partners, we'll get back to you. And they never got back to me. So I went back. Um, you have a chair here vacant. I would really, really love to help carry the palace name in good light. Would you consider me as a candidate? We'll talk it over as partners. We'll get back to you. That happened about three or four times. I got bills to pay, man. I, I got things I'm trying to accomplish. If you don't see me as an asset, I got to keep it moving. So I go to uh, Craig Charles, uh, similar situation. Uh, he didn't have any chairs available at the time, but he said he would consider me. Again, I, I got to make some check. I got a kid. Uh, and this this kid won't quit eating, man. <laughs> He's eating me out of house and home. Uh, lo and behold, I, I reached out to Richard Jackson, man, and that was the best decision I probably ever made in my entire life. Um, not only did he consider me as a candidate, not only did he hire me, he never once saw me as a threat. He never once saw me as the young guy that could take his spot. He was an open book to knowledge, uh, a very personable, and not only from a business perspective. I had never in my life, because he was a former pastor, experienced someone that that lived and walked and, and spoke with so much faith and authority in my life. Mm. So just working under his brand helps strengthen my relationship with God. It 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 it, it just it changed everything, man. Not just from a barber perspective. It it literally changed my life. And and I owe that brother a lot, man, because he again, he didn't have to do it. He to him, it was it was manpower. To him, this is somebody that I'm hiring to help keep this line moving. Because um, I, although I thought I could cut great then, I was cutting great on a street level. I had yet to tap into what it meant to be a professional barber. Even the cleanliness of my tools, I wasn't that clean. I, mean, I wasn't giving nobody any kind of lesions or, or razor bumps or nothing like that. Not, never. However, I never broke my tools down and did a deep clean. You know, uh, barberside. I didn't have barberside. What is barberside? I'm not putting combs in barberside. I'm just running the same comb through different people's heads. Although I wash them at the end of my day 
and let them dry, that's still not a proper way of taking care of your tools and upkeeping your stuff. So he put me on to all that, man. Um, yeah, Richard Jackson, man. Shop is still open right now. Karoo Cuts Barbershop, 806 East Center Street. Uh, taught me a lot, man. Taught me a lot. Dope. How did you begin to develop, like, hearing you speak and, you know, talking about the book, how did you develop the principles that you live by in your life? Like you said, he was an influence, but you had to do the work, you know what I'm saying? You had to go through that personal development. You had to develop your relationship with God. Like, how did that all happen? A lot of life challenges, but specifically, I can remember talking to him maybe back in 2012, 2013. And a good friend of mine, um, actually classmate, High school classmate, uh, class of 02, graduate at the time was a, he had grow, grew from a bank teller to the branch manager. And and this gentleman and Richard had a real strong relationship. And I was just asking a passive conversation. I was like, man, what do you think a, a branch manager at a bank makes, man? And he told me the number. And Kelly, I was floored. I was like, he's only making what? At the time, I was making more. How am I making more than a branch manager yeah. as a booth renter, not a shop owner, a right. booth renter? Right. So it kind of just really resonated to me. And it spoke, it spoke to me, man. Like this, this thing can really be not only impactful, but it, it can be life-changing, not just for myself, but for my family. Like this thing can go far. But that day a seed was planted, and I can remember just thinking to myself, if we're here now in this position. Like, where can we go with this? How far can we take this? You know what I'm saying? Like, and and I can remember again, we're having the conversation in, in the shop, and he just he just laughed. He, he hit me on my shoulder. He said, You're not doing too bad, are you? And it, it resonated. It, it resonated. Again, at the time, I'm, I'm renting the booth. Mm -hmm. and, and my friend, who I'm still good friends with, you know, he's a branch manager at the Bank of Tennessee, but, and now he's doing incredibly well for himself. But, man, like, am, am I doing good or, or working people? getting screwed mm. you know what i mean like mm. and it just kind of really it, that day uh, it ignited a fire man and and uh, the gentleman that i'm speaking on no no longer is he in the in the banking system he is doing probably three times better than he is now and i i, I thank god for that but I, I man from that day i just wasn't comfortable being comfortable no more man it's not about monetary value it's not about acquiring stuff 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 can never suffice. Right. I want I want to be an advocate to create generational wealth for my family. I want my grandkids to understand to never be a a, a pawn in life's chess game. Yeah. Because you'll you'll never get your just due. People will always plug you into their agenda. They'll always have a plan for you, but you have to have a plan for yourself in order to play the game of life. And 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 ultimately, again, that conversation with with my former boss. That's where it started. But I learned prior to having that conversation and talking to him, I'd always grew up around people with a broke mentality. Mm -hmm. I never had access to anybody to any information. I never had access to anybody with a business or with a business plan. It was always stinking thinking. Always stinking thinking, man. Uh, I can remember being in church as a kid. The song we sung every Sunday, and to this day I hate the song, I'm coming up. You know, the rough side <laughs> of the mountain. Why has it got to be the rough side always? Yeah. Why, why always the rough side, man? Yeah. There's got to be another way up the mountain. This is the rough side of the mountain. I hate that song. I get it. I understand it. Yeah. We sung that song religiously every Sunday, and we sung it with so much defeat. 
Hey, it's the publisher here, Mr. Kelly Cole. Listen, if you are a former professional athlete, if you are a former college athlete or sports coach, and you're looking to launch your speaking career, let me tell you, you need a book. If you're already out there speaking and you want to track more high-paid speaking engagements, you need a book. It's not about creating more content to post on social media. It's not about recording a bunch of videos. It's not about doing more podcasts. The number one secret to attracting more high-paid speaking engagements or even launching your speaking career is a book. Hey, I'm the publisher, Mr. Kelly Cole, and I help former athletes and sports coaches create best-selling books in 30 days to launch their speaking career, even if they hate writing and don't know where to start. So for the first time ever, I've created a free case study video that will not only show you how to write a book from scratch in a little as 30 days and become a best-selling author, it will also show you how to attract more high-paid speaking engagements. Now, to check out this free case study video, click the link that says learn more or go to Books for Athletes dot com real quick before you go do not go if you're not a former athlete or sports coach because you won't find any value in what i'm about to share and don't go if your book is already out and already on amazon you won't find any value in what i share over there but if you are a former athlete or sports coach know that you need a book or um, already out there speaking and you want to launch your speaking career go check out that link now writing a book is not as hard as you think it doesn't even matter if you don't know where to start. My case study video will show you how to start and get it done and onto the bestsellers list. So go now. It was never a joyous way of singing it. In the church that I'm a part of now, man, the the the, the spirit is in the room and the authority that's in the room is completely different than what I experienced as a kid, man. Yeah. So I, I would encourage anybody listening to this podcast or anybody with a dream, get around people who throw logs on your fire. And not just pour water on your fire. People who see outside of their personal circumstances and convictions. People who see the bigger picture. Because until you change your circle, things won't change, man. How did you do it, man? So give them some practice. Like, how did you change your circle? Did it start with your boss at Crew Cuts? Or how did how did you go from there? How did you believe that? Which I had good friends as a kid. Uh, one in particular, uh, Ramon Graham. Ramon's parents. I mean, in high school, Ramon was a great basketball star, but I'd never met a black couple who lived in the suburbs with his father driving a Lexus. And again, it's not about stuff, right? but I just never seen that, never experienced that. I never experienced a family who ate dinner at the, t at the table every night. You know what I mean? Like you're not eating in the living room and her in the bedroom and me downstairs. No, we're eating at this table and no TVs, no phones. We're going to talk about our day. You know, but but I didn't have enough friends like Ramon for for that to even really take root. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I said to say I had to start cutting friends off and, and not disconnecting from people. I just can't give you access to me if you don't want to go places. I, I can't hang out, man. I, I can't hang out. I, I can't go to bars and clubs and I need my energy. I got to be at work sometimes seven, sometimes six o'clock in the morning in order to have my battery fully charged. I need rest. You know what I mean? And for the friends who, oh, man, you changing up. Oh, man, you think you something. I, I, next, <laughs> I I, I got to put a, a, a wall up between me and you because you don't want the, the max out of life, man. And, and those individuals are still doing the same thing to this day. Mm -hmm. I love them to death. 
I love them dearly, and I hope they know I love them, but I really at this point don't care if they like, don't like, approve, disapprove, because, hell, we're getting old, man. And, and when you get to your 40s, you realize you're at the latter part of your life instead of the beginning part of your life. If you don't make true adjustments and changes, man, you, you won't be able to retire at max capacity. So you have to learn to be okay with people not being okay, whether it's family, whether it's friends, whoever it is. Right. Uh, don't don't give the masses access to you just because you have some information. You have to have people in your corner who you can share information, people who are doing better than you and, and not covet their success. If, if your whole team is up and, and you're the low man on the totem pole, you're winning. You mm -hmm. are really winning because you have nowhere to go but up, man. That's it. That is it. That is it. So how did you transition from um, the shop you were working in to getting your own first shop? So 2016, I go to the owner and um, man, man, oh, man, I, I had I had opened and closed that shop for years, man. I, I was I was overly loyal and dedicated to that shop, mainly because, again, it's providing for my family. And, and it did open me up to a whole different level of thinking, operating. But I, I genuinely asked him, like, man, would you consider me as a partner? And he didn't say no. He's pretty much said what the gentleman at the palace said. Man, let me think about it. I'll get back to you. Right. Well, Kelly, you know how that goes, right? Yeah. I got things to do. Right. <laughs> right. I, I, so three times. Hey, man, um, I'm really, really wanting to consider this this proprietor thing, man, would you consider me as a partner? I think I can be an asset to, to your brand and help you grow and build your brand. Yeah, let me think about it and I'll get back to you. And what I learned after I transitioned out and opened my own shop, it's not that he didn't want me as a partner. It's just that he had taken it to where he wanted to take it and he had no intention in making it bigger. And he's not wrong for that. Right. Because at the time, he is in his late 50s, early 60s. And when you get up in age, man, in order to build, you need strength and you need time. You need energy. And I think he was just tired, man. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he was just at a point in life where building requires more than I want to put in. And at the time, I'm in my early 30s, man, revved up, ready to go. Mm -hmm. And I think he saw what I didn't see, which is if we made this thing a partnership, Mike's going to exhaust me because his battery's fully charged. And man, <laughs> I, I just I, my, he kept trying to get me to see Mike. We're good, man. Just just be be good with being good. I, I wasn't right. I, I I felt like I'd hit a piece of crack, and I was high, brother. I, I was all the way up, and right. I'm just now that I see the potential of this thing. Let's see how far we can take this thing. You know what I mean? For sure, for sure. So, how did you get your first shot? How did that process work? I literally. I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. I can remember one day leaving church. My wife said, you know, that's a spot. You know, we go to Calvary Church in Boone's Creek. And we're leaving Boone's Creek, heading towards Johnson City. And across from Ingalls, there was a spot. And the rent was maybe six, seven hundred bucks a month. Uh, good traffic, good location. But I told her, I was like, babe, like if if the spot can't just have cheap rent, it's got to be in a place that has decent walk-in traffic where people can walk to it. Right. And the only people that can access this piece of property are people who are driving to it and see it in passing. Um, and she kind of looked at me like I was crazy. Like, you're never going to find your spot. You're just making excuses for yourself. But I knew I knew in the back of my mind, I love my wife. You're not going to cut hair with me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You, you don't know the industry like I know it. So I, I can't just jump on something because you think it, it sounds and looks good. 
So I just kept waiting, man. Um, and literally the latter part of 2016, I'm leaving uh, the CPA gym at ETSU. And I go by McDonald's to get a smoothie. And I literally heard God say, look to your right. Mm. I look to my right, and there's a two-story building. And there are three signs that say for rent. And what is crazy is the one that said for rent was not for rent. Mm. So I go and I call the, the number on the, the piece of paper. I meet with the landlord, Jenny Carmichael. And she says, yeah, I, you're inquiring the space. Let me show you the space I have available. And the space she had available was, was I'm, what I'm in right now have the space that I needed to operate. So the space that where I had the sign on the uh, window that said for lease, it was small, man. Mm. And the space that I'm in upstairs is the biggest space in that building. So I felt like God specifically hand carved out that space for that particular season in life, man. So, I mean, God gets all the credit for that. Uh, I was just patient. I waited. I was obedient. And, and, and he did all the rest, man. Oh, man. How long you been in that location? Uh, six plus years. Wow. Wow. And now you have a franchise. Tell us about the tailor-made franchise, brother. So literally, um, I'm working out in the YMCA in Greenville, and I keep hearing different people tell me, man, I know you barber. We need a barbershop in Greenville. And I had been through so many challenges as an entrepreneur of my John City location. I ain't no way, man. I can juggle multiple locations. And I heard God say to me as I'm talking down about it, do you trust me? He mm -hmm. said it just like that, because I'm trusting on my own abilities. Do you trust yeah. me? Yeah, God, I trust. Of course I trust you. I'm, I'm not here without you. What do you mean by that? Like, so again, I'm <laughs> I'm driving um through the Tuscan area one day, and the location that I'm in right now, I literally, as I'm mid-driving, I hear God say, Stop. <laughs> what the heck? What do you mean stop? I'm in traffic. So I pull over and from the spot, I mean beat down. Uh, oh God! What what we have turned it into, and, and what we initially had, brother. I'm talking about it was a dump, man. Wow. It was an old, it was an old thrift store. It smelled bad. Wood was rotted. They even had food in the fridge left over from a year prior. Mm -hmm. Um, but the the beautiful thing is, it's owned by Scott Nicewanger, uh, one of the most wealthiest men in the whole region, who was not in in search for more money. And just to be fully transparent, not to put my business out there, he was, he's only still only charged me $500 a month rent. Wow. And that is unheard of for commercial property. But I only say that to say, when you trust God and trust his timing and trust his plan, things always work out. We're all, we're out of our lease and he has yet to price gouge because wow. he sees that I'm, I'm pouring into his community. I'm pouring into his, we have scholarships at the college that he came from. And he sees that I'm an asset to the community. So he works with me. You know, if there's anything I need, he, he works with me, man. It's, it's been a blessing, man. That's dope, man. That's dope. So what is your heart to serve the community? Where does that come from? The people who serve me. Um, my grandmother. I can still, I start my day off with prayer and I read my scripture. But I can still hear her. When I was in elementary school, Kelly, I, I kid you not, man, she would, she would almost scare me the way she prayed, man, because she would wait till I fell into a deep sleep. We would watch movies and drink milkshakes until I fell asleep with my milkshake on the nightstand, and she'd wait till I got into a deep sleep, and she'd go downstairs, and when I say she would warfare, man, mm -hmm. and when I say she would scream and cry and speak in tongues and rebuke the devil, to one night, it's like almost 2, 45, 3 o'clock in the morning, I'd shoot up out of bed. I'm like, somebody breaking in? 
So I run downstairs. Now I'm crying. I'm like, Granny, you good? I'm talking about she was crying so hard I couldn't even see her eyes. And she was just, she couldn't even reply. She was speaking in tongues like, baby, go upstairs. It's good. Me and this nerd devil down here going at it. He's going to be all right. I'm like, I don't understand what's going on. What do you mean going at it? What do you mean warfare? What What do you mean? Who? Nobody's in the house, Granny. What are you talking about? Yeah. Now, now, brother, now I get it. Mm -hmm. it, it. It is not a personal fight out here. It is spiritual warfare. It is spiritual wickedness out here, man. And the only way we will elevate and win in life is if we operate within the power of God and let him lead and direct and influence us. So I just want to be to my family and to my community, what she was to me, what, what, what Thomas Graham was to me, what Richard Jackson is still to me. I just want to be a beacon of light, man, because what I realized about my personal journey is I'm not where I'm at without people like that. So who can I affect I, I, I need to be a Vincent Dial to these kids. Yeah. You know, I, I, what's crazy is when you propose the whole book concept to me, I went to him and I'm like, Reverend Dial, I mean, I, I need you. He's like, brother, whatever you need, what, just tell me what you need. I'm like, writing my first book and I'd be honored if you floored it. And he, oh, praise God. And, and he was just <laughs> elated. And and he said, I, he said, man, and, and a small teardrop, he's like, I've made it in life. I was like, come again. He's like, I mean, I've never had the opportunity to forward it anybody's book. I, I have officially made it in life. I'm thinking, bro, I'm I'm good because you're forwarding it. What do you mean you've made it because you're forwarding yeah. my book? Yeah. But that was just him. That was him. He, he celebrated other people's accomplishments. Yeah. He was so selfless. You know what I mean? And 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 the, the book is in memory of Reverend Vincent Dial because he is the essence of community. Not only my former band teacher, not only my former pastor. And not only a former life coach and mentor, I can go on and on about him. If if you know him, you loved him. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you knew him, you respected him. If you knew him, you knew he was an asset, not a lot of liability. Yeah. So now that he's gone, rest in peace. Now that he's gone, um uh I, I, I gotta carry on the work, man. Sure. It's work that needs to be done. We have we have work to do out here, bro. And it's not gonna get done by itself. Yeah. Uh it's gonna take it's gonna take us locking arms and, and, and being steadfast and, and, and being in, intentional about getting stuff done, man. And we can't do it by commenting and texting and tweeting on social media platforms. We have to log off the computers and actually get out here in the streets where the work is really needed and get into the fire where, where the kids are really man, these kids are suffering out here. I, I I was talking to one of my, my barbers over the weekend. I feel like if Wi-Fi went down worldwide. You would see mass hysteria, bro, because these kids cannot operate without technology. Yo, what up? It's your girl, JC. And listen, I have to send a special shout out to my guy, Mr. Kelly Cole, and the entire team at Publishing Advantage Group and Books for Athletes. They took so great care of me to the point that I know I'm the pickiest person. This book was supposed to have been finished last summer. However, there were some details that I needed to make sure that the book had because my audience needed it. And, you know, when it comes down to feeding and serving the people, especially as a former athlete and telling your story, you know you cannot be selfish with the material 
material and give it away. And they worked with me from the time of my thought process to the time of conception, all the way down to now, top 20 hot release best-selling author on Amazon in 24 hours. Listen, if you're an athlete, you have a story to tell, and you don't know how to put it in book form just yet, don't worry, you're not alone, okay? Hit my guy, Mr. Kelly Cole, and tell him what you're trying to do, and I promise you he's going to get you right, all right? And of course, check me out on Amazon after the season. Shout out to the Books for Athletes family. They don't know how to function and live life without a computer, and that's scary, man. That's for sure, for sure, brother. All right, what's the number one thing you would want somebody to get once they pick up a copy of your book? If you could choose one thing, I know it's hard, but if you could choose one main thing or one main purpose or one nugget you would want them to get, what's what you want them to get from the book? Perseverance. Perseverance, man, because it's, it's it's never going to be pretty. I don't care what you're doing. Uh, I don't care what avenue you're in. I don't care what field you, you work in. If, if you don't have any kind of perseverance or gall about you, Life is going to swallow you up, man. So don't run away from the no's. Sometimes no is good. Uh, sometimes people working against you is good. Sometimes challenges challenges are great. A failure is awesome, and I had to learn that the hard way. You, you fail to win. You don't you don't just win and fail. You fail your way to winning. So don't run away from failure. Embrace it and accept it for being a part of your process. Nope. Yes, sir. Love it. So what did it feel like when you saw that you had hit Amazon bestsellers list? What did that feel like? It's still surreal. Thank you, brother. Yes, sir. It's still surreal, man, because, I mean, you, you're the one that planted the seed, Kelly. You told me to do this well over a year ago, and I've never met anyone that is African-American in this area that's wrote a book. You said I needed to write a book, so I did it because I believe in you, but when you sent me that, I'm like, again, man, but God, you know what I mean? But God, brother. Uh, and what's wild is me and my wife are in Knoxville yesterday, visiting time and spending time with my mother. We're in the middle of eating at the Cheesecake Factory. And a local boxer, uh, fighter, Dustin Long, um, he even fought in the MGM Grand and knocked out Deontay Wilder's brother. Nobody ever thought that would ever happen. Right. I, I can remember that fight still to this day because it felt like it put Johnson City on the map a little bit. That gentleman reached out to me. He was like, man, he started the, the text off with, first of all, congrats on your book, man. Uh, big stuff. How do I write my book? And, man, that messed me up. Because mm -hmm. that's not the first conversation that's gone like that, man. So many people have reached out to me like, man, big ups. Can you plug me in? Can you put me on? And because of the way I respond, I'm not responding like, no, man, it's it's just for me. It ain't about me, man. Yeah. It is not about me. It's about elevation at its highest, at its finest. And if I can give anyone the tools to transition out of the lane of fighting to author, just like me, barber to author, that's a whole different lane. I, I, I feel like I've almost mastered my craft in barbering, but now I have to master another craft. I have to be a, a better communicator, a better writer, a better teacher a better asset overall and he is at least one of five and my book has been out maybe what a month month and a half mm -hmm. and i've already planted a seed in five people in the community that i never thought would ever consider being an author because they've seen what i've accomplished in a short short that's not even a half a year kelly 
Yeah. yeah. Short amount of time. Now they're like, man, I can do it too because they see an example of if he can do it, dang, I grew up with him. I know what he came from. He came from the projects. No resources. <laughs> if he can do it, surely I can do it. That's dope, man. That's dope. All right. Um, what was it like working with us? What was it like working with Publishing Advantage Group? Man, the best. Um, literally. Uh, I can't say that. I don't, I don't say that to say it, man. I'm not trying to sell nobody on nothing. I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, because I'd like to be fully transparent. I was a little bit leery, not with Publishing Advantage Group, but I've dealt with so many people and companies in the past that don't uphold what they stand on, man. And and I say this wholeheartedly. Publishing Advantage Group is the essence of professionalism uh, from start to finish. I even had a, a small issue with uh, a few books missing out of my initial package. And I was coached on reaching out to them via email. And I swear, this is on a Sunday. I just sent the thing in, and like 10 minutes later, they called me. I'm like, what the heck is going on, man? You got folk out here on, I mean, I'm talking about prompt. I'm talking about on it, man. Uh, anytime I've called you with any questions or issues, and, and I know you've got a lot. I mean, heck, you've lost your mom, man. I, I know you got a lot on your plate. Not one time have you answered your phone. What? <laughs> man, good morning, brother. How you doing? Like, like you're, you're, you're blessed to be at the table and, and be an asset. And that means the world to somebody like me who has no idea how this thing works, man. So I say that to say anybody that is slightly considering doing it, don't think no more, not only jump into it and do it, but do it with this specific catalytic group right here. Do it with publishing advantage group because they literally changed my life, man, for the better. Appreciate you, my brother. All right, man. Any final words, any word of wisdom, anything else you want to sow into somebody that, you know, just about life, just about is something burning on your heart, man, that you want to leave the people with? I thought I was good until I got into a group of people who exposed my imperfections. Um, I thought I was good by myself because I've always had to figure it out by myself. And you can only go so far by yourself, man. Um Literally, you have to have a team. Even Jesus himself had disciples, man. You have to have a team, man, and there's strength in numbers. I think a problem with people, specifically people of color, we have the hardest time, man, the hardest time of building a unit that, that holds us accountable. We struggle with constructive criticism, but it's so necessary, man. Uh, in order to elevate, there's strength in numbers. So we got to stop the pocket watching, man. We got to stop the 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 critiques and the the backstabbing and the gossiping and the man. If if again, like I said earlier, if you're the low man on the totem pole and the whole, the rest of your team is above you, you're winning. Mm -hmm. So so don't don't covet what nobody else is doing. Uh, shout out to Craig Charles. He's he's told me for years, like Mike, man, just just win. Don't, like like don't don't exhaust yourself trying to do so much. Just enjoy the journey, brother. Because, and he, he reminds me on a regular basis, do you realize that you've accomplished way more than folk would even imagined at a young age, man? I have multiple locations. I have, a, I have the first ever, at least from here to Chattanooga, first ever mobile barbershop. I'll come to you and do a full wedding party with a TV in my unit. I got air. I got heat. I have a, a unit for selling supplies. I mean, you get the drift, but that's never been done here. And I forget it because I'm so busy doing the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. Man, pump the brakes, man. Enjoy the journey. Enjoy the ride. But enjoy today because tomorrow's not promised, man. That's good, man. Where can the people follow you? Get the book. 
um, anything you got coming out, anything else you're working on, and we'll get you out of here, brother. Yes, sir. So the book is available on Amazon, The Tailor-Made Barber. On Amazon, you can pick it up in uh, hardback, uh, paperback. Uh, we also have an event that coming up this weekend. We're working with two nonprofits, LXI and Rise Up. We're doing the I Love My City event. We'll be doing free haircuts, hygiene items, just loving on the community, man. We're doing a book signing, my first book signing at my shop. I've done several at different schools. The first book signing at TaylorMade Johnson City, the first location, will be this Saturday at 2 o'clock. Um, you can come and get a personal copy. I'll be there signing copies, talking about it, talking about the process. Uh, we also do in the summertime, man, um, every year, uh, the weekend before school starts back. This year will be July the 29th. Free food, free backpacks, free school supplies, free haircuts. This year we have the sheriff's department coming out. We have shoes. Uh, shout out to John City Nissan, man. They, they've been a huge asset. We have gift cards to TJ Maxx, Finish Line, Foot Locker, Champs, Journeys. Um, I mean, we have face painting. We have snow cones. You name it, we have classes. And it's all free, man. Uh, anybody interested in being a vendor, we do not charge vendor fees. It's, it's all to bless the community, July the 29th. Uh, and it's going to be the first annual Vincent Dial Day. Shout out to my mentor, Vincent Dial. That's dope, my brother. Thank you so much for your time, bro. Like I said, I get inspired every time I hear you speak. That's why I was like, after the last time, I was like, yo, I got to get this brother on the podcast. Like, we playing around. But I appreciate you, man. Appreciate everything that you stand for. And, man, just keep doing what you're doing. Keep being a blessing, bro. Yes, sir. God bless. All right, man. Have a great day. Enjoy your bike ride. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Books for Athletes podcast. Make sure you're liking, subscribing, and leaving us reviews. And be sure, if you're interested and you want to get your book done, make sure you check out our free case study video at www.booksforathletes.com. Also, if you'd like for me to come to speak to your students or you're having an event and you need a speaker, I would love to be a part of it. Just shoot me an email at booksforathletes.com. Until then, we'll see you on the next episode.